Jay, welcome to the Real Indigenous Podcast, where we discuss things that are on our TV screens and everything in between. I am one of your hosts. I am Noetta Harjo, and with me, as always, are Uvanga Angela Starts, Sio and Hawaii, Candice, Madhu Wicca, Sunrise Stipikani. And today we are going to be talking about something I guess that we all kind of are, um, Indigenous content creators. There has been quite a surge in um, homemade content, if you will, by many people around the world on uh, platforms like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I think those are probably the top three platforms that I've seen content on. But there's also Twitch, which is getting a rise um, mainly by gamers, but it, other people are using it as well. And then um, platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, and Discord are also being used to connect with people. Indigenous people are using these platforms, Indigenous people around the world, not just those of us in North America, are using these platforms as a way to engage with people who may not know about our culture. They are using it for, you know, to talk about what it's like to be indigenous what it's like in in our different cultures you know and, and they're they're sharing things like beading things like painting things like dancing that comes from within our own cultures and then there are some that just wants to be comedians or uh, musicians and actors and stuff like that so there's a wide range of content creators out there and we're just going to talk about some of our favorites um I did want to mention that some of the, that, you know, when we talk about indigenous people, that can be a multitude of cultures around the world. But I'm going to focus on the North American cultures, those uh, indigenous people from the U.S. and Canada, because most of the content creators I find on TikTok and Instagram are from Canada or they're from the Navajo Nation. There's a lot of them. So I haven't really found a whole lot that were from Oklahoma or California Anywhere there's like a large population of Native people, but I have seen some that are like uh, Alaska Native or Inuit. So um, that that's a really great thing to see. Um, but anyway, so I'm going to open discussion talking about one of our favorite people, Tanya Jo Hall. The reason I want to talk about Tanya Jo Hall is because uh, she utilizes her culture. She utilizes her daily life as a mom. Uh, she dances and she is a comedian and she's one of the most widely known comedians, probably within, I guess, the the powwow trail. Those of us who are uh, Plains tribes or surrounding areas really know who she is and follow her. She Right now she's got 152.9 thousand followers on TikTok and 123,000 on Instagram. And all of her content is on Instagram and uh, TikTok mainly, but she also has a Facebook so and a uh, YouTube she is so funny. I think, what was the first one I saw of hers? I think it was like a bingo one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, her character, Auntie Beatrice, is probably a lot of people's favorite. She's almost like a Medea type. She has no filter whatsoever about anything that she's talking about. So I did want to play a video because I thought this was the cutest thing. Um, just, just the sound of it. This is her child imitating Auntie Beatrice, so I'm gonna play that real fast. Baby Beatrice here, where I'm 
<laughs> it's pretty much anti features to a T. <laughs> so uh, that's just one of the many like comedy styles I find in indigenous contents on TikTok and in uh, Instagram. There's a lot of them that they do skits and. I've seen there have been a few people who live on the Navajo reservation that have gotten together to do skits together. It's very reminiscent of when the 1491s began their uh, videos on YouTube. I think that's what's important about all of this social media access is that it's kind of opened up everybody to the possibility of being a content creator. And of course, you've got the bad ones. I mean, Lord knows we've seen those, but then you have those that really have a lot of fun and really bring something new to the table and are really engaging and at the same time, educating. Well, for me, like with Auntie Beatrice, I just discovered her fairly recently. I don't know how long she's been doing these things and probably like within the last year or two, probably during COVID seasons, right, is when I started seeing her pop up. And um, not only does she do comedy, but she also talks about, you know, her own personal, like, things that she's going through, her struggles, and, like, uh, all these things that she's, like, you know, they talk about, you know, mental health issues that we should all share with everyone so everyone knows we're not in it alone, and she tends to go through those. And the other thing, too, is, like, when we had that interview with the uh, the Rutherford Falls kids, they had wanted to have her on the third season. You guys remember that? Yeah. And, yeah, I've seen her do a live on Instagram where – a lot of her fans were saying, you need to be on reservation dogs. So mm-hmm. she's out there. She's popular. People know her and they know her content and they know her message, which is always good. Like you said, Angelo, there's some bad ones out there, but there's also really good ones. But mm-hmm. it is a common thing for them to use comedy because, you know, being in, as we all know, being indigenous is funny sometimes. And it's <laughs> a good way to get through the trauma. Uh, something mm-hmm. I really about Tanya, Tanya Joe Hall as well as um you know in addition of course I love Auntie Beatrice big fan of Auntie Beatrice uh but during the pandemic she and her partner at that time they used to host um I don't think it was daily but it was like kind of a weekly uh they would have a um, kind of a drum singing time and they would just they would just talk and they would be like you know uh we're, we're singing these songs and we're going to tell these stories and it was just uh, anecdotal you know, uh, and those were released, I think, on her on her Facebook, where they would go Facebook Live. And it was wonderful because I, I would like be having some tea or something or some coffee. And I would just, you know, be listening in on this conversation. And they would talk about, uh, you know, this this song is, uh, we, we made this song whenever, they would tell the stories behind each song that they sang. And uh, it was a they were songs of hope. They were songs of joy and funny songs as well. And uh, some of them were original songs. And uh, it was just, it was very nice. You know, it just felt like, I don't know. It just felt like someone out there uh, just sending out those, those, that good energy, you know, into the world. And that's what I feel like she, she brings along too. Yeah. I think that there was a huge rise in content creators during quarantine. Cause that's how we pass the time. Right. In fact, that was when I started getting on TikTok. I guess that was one of the trends where, you know, you'd be wearing the people would be wearing their normal everyday clothes and they throw their shoe up and then they transform instantly into their regalia. And that was just, and it was from all over the world. It wasn't just North America. I mean, it was really cool to see 
everybody being proud of who they were in mm -hmm. showing off all of their colors and the joy of being who they are. You know, the quarantine was weird, but that was one thing I think that was really positive that came out of it. Since that time, I've seen content creators uh, utilize their platforms, not just from the fun part of it, but for the activism, for uh, educating about history, uh, especially when the boarding school uh, revelation came up, when people started realizing, oh my gosh, you know, there's a lot of bodies found at these boarding schools. People were using TikTok mainly to educate others about that history because it was never really taught in schools. Uh, I've seen uh, language departments begin their TikToks and they they teach the language. Um, I know the Muskogee Creek has their their language department started a TikTok where they they're teaching phrases. They haven't been on for a while, but they're for about a good month. It, it was it was constant, and I was actually learning something like learning how to say stuff. Speaking of language, okay, I did want to focus on this one. I found this the other day. Notorious Cree. He his name is James Jones. He is from Canada. I believe he started uh, doing language and uh, he does these little videos where he, he does the words and you can learn with him if you want to. And I mean, I'm not Cree, but you know, it's, it's interesting to see creators utilize the, the platform this way. So. Hello. Hello. That's it. That's it. How are you? How are you? That's it, yeah. I am fine. I am fine. Come on in. Come on in. Beat the Sit down. Sit down. Have some tea. Have some tea. Husky That is so cool. Mm. Yeah, I like that they have a little song. That yeah, and it's and it's catchy. I mean, I was even singing along. But Notorious Cree also does. He's a hoop dancer, and a lot of his videos are him dancing in different areas and cities and in powwows and uh, all over. Basically, wherever he can dance, he dances. So many good hoop dancers out there. There's a lot yeah. of good hoop dancers out there. Mm. Glad they're out there. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, have you guys found any? any educational creators that you know have given something to, to instagram or tiktok that we haven't seen before well i really like my friend uh erin trips uh i like her there's a trend that's going on across social media called book talk i don't think they call it instabook but they, they call it like it, it's uh where people are like talking about their favorite books on instagram or on um or on tiktok my friend erin trip recently one let me get this right her her handle is aaron's library aaron's uh underscore library and uh she's a linkit alaskan it, it's just so cool uh, what she's done she just started she just started this herself she's uh we know each other through theater and she started uh her instagram she just started reviewing books she just started talking about books that she was reading and she would just talk about them about what the contents are like how they made how the books made her feel. And then she would put, you know, if there needed to be like a trigger warning, she would put that, but she would talk about how each different book made her feel. And she recently 
she got some exciting news recently where she got the artist and business leadership fellow from first people's fund. And she got some, so she got some funding to set up a recording studio, I think a home recording studio so she can start going into narrating audiobooks as well. It's just, uh, I'm really excited for her. And I like looking at her content because I go sometimes to her, I go, uh, well, I like to follow her social media for like book references. Without her, I wouldn't have heard about um, some of the other new Stephen Graham Jones's books. Uh, that's the first part, or that I think her, her Instagram is where I first heard about uh, Firekeeper's Daughter. Yeah, she, um, she's got some fun things to talk about. And she used to do like a and her her stories reels she uh, would talk about like what's my book call for today and she'd be like I picked up this book because I thought it looked interesting I picked up this book because I really liked what it said on the back you know and uh so she'll do like different reviews for different books and oh and she'll like talk about like some book clubs like hashtag raven reads that she subscribes to which has a lot of Louise Erdrich's books so she's a lot of fun to follow or like book references and things like that. Yeah, there's a, they are a historian and Lipen Apache, Shoshone, it's diamond underscore dog 74 on TikTok. And they do a lot of historical contextualizing for events that are going on currently, uh, especially with all of the residential school unearthings that are happening and stuff like that. So that that's a really good account to follow for historical context. I think there's also a librarian that I follow and that's fun because the indigenous librarian, um, she talks about books too and what to read and recommendations and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause I mean, we all love a good book. I think it's I'm important to... now, nowadays just to have people creating history lessons on social media that people can find just because it's being suppressed around the the world so it's nice that people can find lessons on the rest of the story thank you paul harvey tried to see if there was a video that i don't know if there's one particular one you want maybe to feature okay party people let's talk about greenland because i had a lot of people who tried to argue with me that greenland was not a part of north america because it was colonized by the danish first off if you look at the north american tectonic plate greenland is pretty squarely on it so geographically speaking, Greenland is part of North America. Second thing, Greenland's population is about 80% indigenous and the indigenous people of Greenland are Inuit. Inuit homelands include all the way from Greenland to Alaska. Culturally and linguistically, they're the same people. So saying that Greenland isn't part of North America because they were colonized by Denmark is like saying that Mexico isn't part of North America because they were colonized by Spain. Just because Canada and the United States was colonized by the English doesn't make Greenland any less North America. I mean, Alaska was colonized by Russians at one point, but nobody would sit there and argue that Alaska is not North America. So, yes. <laughs> Sassy history. I like it. Yes, yes. So the the big trend that I've gotten into lately is beating TikTok. Oh, they are so addictive. So many beaters. Yes. And then I started, I just started making um, the pretty little, I guess they're cap earrings is what they're called. And there's so many people who do that, do that style of cap earrings now these days. So I sit there and I watch how they edge 
on the edges or earrings, everything else I can do, but the edging, there's so many different ways to do it. So they will sit there and I mean, for hours on live on TikTok live, um, which is interesting. I found out you have to have 1000, at least 1000 followers to be able to go live on TikTok, which is interesting because I see so many native co- uh, content creators being able to go live. So I guess it's a great thing that they're they're being watched. One of the there's there's some content creators from the Navajo Nation, like I said, that they've gotten together. Um, I saw a lot of videos from these creators where they were at Gathering of Nations, they were making videos, they were coming up with skits, you know, just being funny. And then I saw an article, um, I think it was back in November, where they were trying to make a get a, um, a gathering of TikTok creators together. I don't think it'll be long now before we have like a TikTok room or a TikTok creator convention, you know, amongst our native people, because there's so many of them <laughs> these days. There are also content creators who are just showcasing their talents, uh, like the beaters, you know, they, they have uh, a whole slew of people who I think they call it bead talk. Other talented people that we've seen that are, are have a uh, big followings are Jana uh, Schmeeting. Mm. She's got a good following Dallas Goldtooth. He does a lot of little comedic skits as well. Uh, do it. He does stitches, you know, where basically you can uh, take a video that somebody else did and incorporate it into yours and then continue on with whatever they're doing in the content or react to it. And then there's uh duets. He does a lot of duets too. Uh, basically where it's this, you share the screen with the original video and either interact with it or react to it. Let's see who else. Kiwana Chasing Horse is on here. Is that her name? Chase, Chasing Horse? Chasing Horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kiwana Chasing Horse is on there. And, you know, she is a model and uh, she just basically uh, features, you know, what is like, what her life is like being, being a model now, being one of the most well-known indigenous models out there. And, and she's her- also a land protector. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She uses that, her, her platform to, to talk about land, to talk about uh, the issues that, you know, her community faces as well. And I think that that's something uh, a lot of, uh, like pretty much all the content creators do is to talk about, you know, the land and the issues that their communities face. <laughs> well, there is a, a beater in Oklahoma that I follow because she does the peyote stitch on everything. She does the wedding bouquet wraps that are peyote stitched. Yeah. They're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I tried to get one, but she only has so many slots for wedding bouquets. And I went to go check to see, and she was sold out for the year. She like, but I was like, that's good for her, you know, because she knows, you know, whenever you order, when you open yourself up to custom orders, it can be crazy. So Mm -hmm. it's good that they're establishing, you know, like a kind of a system to it as well. And, you know, same with uh, the beaded, the bead, the, the beadwork people that I follow, you know, like, um, the beaded hero is one that I really enjoy. Uh, I think they mainly post on Instagram, but I like how they do those drops, you know, oh like these will be available in the Etsy shop at this time. And of course I had to get used to um, uh, the different time zones that everybody was yeah. beating in. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so if I wanted to like even have a shot, you know, at a piece, it was like, oh my gosh, I have to set an alarm, set an alarm for this time you know, because it's in mountain time or Pacific time. Oh, it's two sparks CC. Yeah. Uh, I guess uh, I'm hearing now. I don't, I don't watch the beaded material, but what you guys are describing is really interesting to me that there's like 
what I'm hearing are two forms of at least two forms of interaction where it seems like there's the page that you just that we just saw at Rasmataz is one where it feels like it's simulating a booth. Like if I were at a dance and I were perusing all the options, like similar to any, like I'm sure it's like that on Etsy or something or on their own sites. And I'm sure they're selling right on whatever platform they're on. So that's, that, to me, that feels like it functions like we're admiring the artwork uh, after it's finished. And, and Angela's talking about these live streams where it feels like that's very much about like process. And that feels like there's admiration of like skill and then also an element of learning, right? You're, like there, there's passing on uh, a demonstration and knowledge about how you go about what beads you select, the threading pattern. And that's interesting that there's like these two, I guess, ways that we've found to survive that remain. And one is like commodifying and then the other is um, sharing. And uh, it really reinforces like the social nature of the media, the fact that we have to watch and then probably practice. And then, I mean, all these platforms also are integrating this like call and response like that seems to be pretty much the difference between this and like TV or cinema where you can immediately respond back to somebody. And um, it feels like that's uh, an important element. If like uh, somebody beads, does some beading, and then you can probably, you know, whenever you're finished, send it back to them, whether it's like in the public eye or a direct message, but that's um, I'm curious if the beading, like what, what uh, maybe what we're seeing as an example the listeners can't see it, but like we're looking basically at a repetition of on TikTok, like the way it repeats. Uh, we're just seeing the, the beading, the threading style and approach, and then the selection of the beads. Is this part of the intrigue for you? It's, it's yeah. the, the creative process, because if ever you've sat down to bead, you have a lot of choices to make. You have to choose your palette. You have to choose how you're going to do it. Are you going to do it on a cord? Are you going to do it flat? Are you going to do fringe? You know, it's just, and then are you going to put a pattern? What kind of pattern are you going to put into it? And if you're going to put in a pattern and there's math involved because you got to figure out how to repeat it and how often to do it. And there's all these choices. So to, to watch somebody who does it so easily or seems to do it so easily, it's inspiring. It's kind of helps create your own creative spark it gives you ideas on how you can execute something so it's it was especially helpful during quarantine when everybody was sitting alone that you couldn't sit around in a bead circle and, and admire each other's work so it was really nice to be able to to watch this and respond like you were there during quarantine a virtual beading circle yeah yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense that's the way i experienced the dancing, right? When we were in quarantine, we see all forms of dancing and the dancing that happened in those periods were also like related to support or protest as a result of things that were going on with all sorts of street protests at the same time as quarantine. And that was an interesting circumstance uh, where people felt included because they were able to watch or they were able to share. Mm -hmm. But that that's something I understand by looking at all these dancers. And that's like a, also what I relate to. And I'm looking at powwows virtually, I guess. I mean, like just speaking about live stream, I guess it's more like a different platform, probably like YouTube where I'm seeing that happen less on well, there um, was, these other forms. What was it on Facebook during quarantine? There was the social media powwow group. Right. 
since everybody couldn't get together, people would post their own videos of them dancing. And it was just, it was very comforting. Yeah. It was a way to, to experience that and watch the dances and hear the music without having to gather when we all thought was it was unsafe. So I think that was one thing I really missed about in during the quarantine was being able to gather with people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember an instance and it was, it was funny. This is kind of, it's kind of on the funny side, you know, just how we talk, you know, whenever you're at powwows and stuff and yes, there's that beautiful communal connection, but then there's also, <laughs> but then there's also the stuff that the tea that we spill at powwows, you know, and uh, I remember we were having a contest. We were having a virtual contest where you were supposed to film yourself. If you're going to contest, you pick the song. Oh, I remember one of one of my tribes did that. So like there was a call for like contest videos. We're actually still giving like they said, uh, we're going to we're still giving away prize money for our powwow. We have this money. So if you want a contest, you want to do this virtually, please just send in your video. That's all you got to do. And there was I remember there was this one person they were contesting and um, I was watching their video and, and I was, I was like, and they got, you know, they had the opportunity to record, send whatever recording they were in and they didn't stop on time. And I was like, ah, you, you, you were given every advantage oh. and I think you were like the only one in the category too. And you still didn't stop on time. And I was like, you could have done it. You could have refilmed yourself. I was also spilling tea about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they could have even like re-edited it so like the music worked with <laughs> it was like we're giving you free money I and mean, all you had to do was just look like you stopped on time <laughs> it'd be just like At crazy jump like right you're competing. <laughs> so how'd y'all handle the uh, virtual 49s <laughs> 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 I, don't think I, I don't think I watched any of them, to be honest. Oh, were there virtual 49s? Yeah, there were. <laughs> How did that even work? What? How did it work? So she oh. says. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't even, I mean, other than just playing the songs and everybody just chilling out in their living rooms. <laughs> Hitting on top of their table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Round dancing around the coffee table or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's easy to say that like social media has played a big part in the change of pop culture. Like I said before, you know, um, like Dallas Goldtooth is is on TikTok and, and Instagram. But I see more of like the celebrity, the our indigenous celebrities on um, Instagram because I feel like TikTok is is like a full-time job for some people. Some people actually get paid to be on TikTok. It's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've made careers out of being social media personalities and stuff. But like on Instagram, I, I feel like it's a little bit more manageable for those who are really busy <laughs> because, you know, like Sterling Harjo is on there. Uh, Tazba Chavez is on there. Um, and Jan is on there too. Uh, I know that Tazba, or no, actually uh, Tamara Podemski had a, shared a video of their dance practice from Reservation Dogs um, when they did the uh, the song to Brandy when they were on yeah, the, the IHS the conference. IHS conference episode. And yeah. she used and practicing that and then on tiktok natalie Santa cloud actually 
TikTok dances, as you know, are big time people. That, that That's one thing a lot of people still do is the TikTok dances. And Natalie Standing Cloud had done that dance on TikTok. I don't know that it ever got really picked up, but I do know that that was one of the the ones, the last ones that I saw from her was she was outside doing the actual dance and showing people kind of what went into it, her part anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's just weird to me that a lot of people will take something like that and it just goes viral. Like people are like, oh, I want to do that too. You know, or they'll have a sound bite. It Sometimes they do a sound bite. There's a sound bite of Dallas Goldtooth uh, doing the, uh, the spirit William knife man, the, the, the scream, the call, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a sound on TikTok that people share, you it's know, <laughs> yep. that, that, that they utilize that, you know, the pop culture, um, our own pop culture is being shared widely on these platforms and they're being uh, shared with non-native people too. You know, they, they know what it is and, and sometimes they don't know what it is and they use it anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> we also have that musicians, musicians have started using, utilizing TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram to promote their music. Um, Hallucination is on these platforms. And of course they're more widely known. I feel like I have been discovering more, more native bands coming out of the woodwork and putting their songs on these platforms to, uh, I guess, increase their viewership or their listenership. You know, Samantha Crane is somebody that I've known about for a long time, but here in the last couple of years, I feel like she's gotten a little bit more push and she's been on tour. I feel like all the time, but, um, you know, her music's been featured not only on reservation dogs, but she was recently on, um, that's what it was. She's had a couple of songs on there. Uh, that's on a sci-fi. And Sarah Podemski's on that. Well, and Gary Farmer are also on that that show. People, more and more people are getting that kind of. I don't want to say exposure. I guess they're getting they're being promoted more, and more people are hearing their music. So I think that that's great. That's a great tool for them to utilize. Just you know, with the beating and the the comedy. I think the the only thing that really concerns me about utilizing these platforms for our culture and heritage and customs is that are are we almost giving it giving away some of these things you know I, I feel like especially with well, the beating. And, yeah you haven't talked about Lakota man or some of the more problematic Twitter personalities I'll be honest I blocked Lakota man as soon as I saw some of the things he was saying I was just like okay I'm not getting into this but I did fall into the rabbit hole that is Lance Tosi uh modern warrior on oh Facebook. yeah Ah, I don't know that, that one. That was some drama. <laughs> oh my gosh, I couldn't. I used to follow him pretty regularly, and then. Do yeah. we want to t- talk about what happened? Yeah, I want to um, hear. I don't know which part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we'll part? Break it down for us, play by play. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's go. First of all, he was getting a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate on TikTok and I haven't seen it so much on Instagram, but it's almost, it. I mean, it's worse than Twitter. People are getting a lot of hate for a lot of things that they're saying, even if it's something they know to be true, people will hate him on. And he was basically spitting out some indigenous knowledge, (laughs) you know, about colonialism. And he would always start his TikToks with, hey, colonizer, you know, and wanting to educate people. Uh, about you know issues that native people face in North America and everything the first the first drama that I saw was with non-native lady Chelsea I can't remember her last name was but 
she would kind of also do the same thing. She would she would talk about history that people didn't know, and then she would talk about like Black history, Indigenous history. She would she, you know she just basically things um, that misconceptions that have been spread throughout time that people didn't learn in school, you know, and so she kind of got on the bandwagon of spreading some indigenous knowledge and uh, tagging modern warriors saying, you know, this is, or she would uh, duet some of his stuff. Well, the two of them eventually met up, had relations. (laughs) And then a month later, she says that she was, uh, she gets on TikToks and says that she was um, violated, even though it was consensual she basically it came down to that she was mad that a week later she found out he had a girlfriend or something and so and that was the first bit of drama that I saw they both went off TikTok for like a month or something yeah. like that yeah a lot, a lot of backlash on both of them <laughs> yeah oh my goodness yep and then the next one I, he came back and he continued to do his thing he apologized on TikTok to her you know, for, for, uh, misleading her. Um, but then the most recent one, he and his girlfriend who is, I think she's black indigenous. They had done a video, something like where she says, if you are white passing, and then he took camera turns to him, he says, it means you're white. And that blew up. Oh, uh, so I do people, remember that one. So many people were very upset. Yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. the I I know about yeah because it offended you know indigenous people in another area who you know just happen to be you know of a lighter complexion you know because that you know I know we get so isolated you know in our own our little bubbles you know when it comes to things like when it comes to surface things like skin complexion and all of that uh in our, our in our communities you know what he, you know, was being presumptuous enough to kind of speak to all, you know, kind of indigenous cultures and kind of making a platform for all of that. And it doesn't speak to everybody. It doesn't speak to every culture. It doesn't apply to every culture, you know, or really if, to every indigenous peoples all around the world. You know, that's a pretty, it's a pretty large audience, very varied and diverse and non-monolithic audience. So, you know, that doesn't, yeah so that 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 blew up and um that was you know I used to think I don't know I used to think he was trying to do good trying to educate people but then after the Chelsea uh thing I was like oh this is messy this is icky I don't think I'll follow him anymore so um yeah it got pretty messy and part of the ramification of what Chelsea did and she apologized later for this was, you know, after she, you know, she told her, her side of the story and Lance told his, what happened was a lot of Chelsea's followers who are young white women came after a lot of young native women, TikTokers. And a lot of them got bullied off their platforms. A lot of, a lot of them got bullied on TikTok, you know, and a lot of them received a lot of hate. So I find that very angering, you know, that here was this content creator with a lot of power, a lot of social power. And ultimately, it didn't really hurt Lance. It hurt Native women. And so, um, you know, I mean, she came back and she apologized later, but it was still like the damage was like done. You know, a lot of people were the damage was done, you know, so and I don't know how you go and fix that. 
And so I just kind of stopped following both of them after that. And then that the when he dropped the, you know, oh, you're white passing, you're white. I am. Um, I was just like, you know what? I I think I'm kind of done with what he has to say. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then he and his girlfriend tried to go. I remember they tried to go live so that they could explain what they were talking about. And I'm like, I think it's pretty clear cut, clear cut what you were saying. It was almost like they were just trying to get people to get their attention and get them people people talking about them. You know, it was really cringy. Yeah, very cringy. As most of those apologies are. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Especially if it's like attention seeking for like follows or view time, right? There's like this model that that kind of eventizing of a, a problematic relationship discourse that's publicized. It's like the examples preceding social media are like politicians and celebrities. And that kind of normalizes this bringing out like a public display and it's always there's two parts it's like disingenuous it's always so that you have some followership you know like the people are going to view it and then you can utilize those numbers to your benefit for whatever that reason is financial or who knows what and then the other is yeah the message which maybe is important for the true intentions or a true intention but they're muddled like i don't know how how people with a large following are not are are ever going to divorce themselves from this like nature of celebrity status where because they're a celebrity they need to always think about like publicizing and commodifying their personal issues and it seems harmless at the beginning for everybody it seems like oh i'm going to get follows i'm going to get views i'm just going to talk about my personal life it seems like you're developing a relationship with the audience and the audience feels like they have a relationship with you because it's becoming vulnerable and in intimate and you're sharing issues. But when there's a major conflict, at first also it's like gossip that feels fun. You know, like these sides that we take in competition shows translates into like real issues between real individuals. And I don't think audience members or viewers have a sense of like thinking that these are real people when we're so used to looking at celebrity life and taking sides. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and uh, that's um, that's a weird thing that's come not from social media, but social media is like really embraced in its structure and, you know, like the problems that we have about society jumping on trends <clears throat> and then reinforcing division among people is only reinforced by this ability to share. Um, and it seems like it's not going to happen and it could happen anywhere, really. As soon as you have two users that are going to interact and as soon as they have a problem with each other, yeah. it seems like that's unfortunate. And I've only ever seen that on Twitter and maybe Facebook, but I see that a lot on YouTube, but I mean, what you're describing is definitely something I, I hear about from these other platforms, TikTok and, and Twitter, especially, but I don't interact with them on a daily basis. Like I do YouTube. I'm like, this is definitely, I'm like an outlier here, which is, I guess, why I'm quiet when I talk, when we're talking about TikTok specifically. Yeah. But I definitely, I see like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say a lot of it happens on TikTok because it's, it's new content pretty much, you know, by the minute. So it just moves really fast. Whereas I feel like with um, YouTube, you kind of have to take time to edit it, take time to film and edit and, you know, put out a good product. So. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who take time to 
edit their TikToks. It's true. It's true. I think that YouTube was like the parent of TikTok because, you know, when YouTube was on top, remember all of the bullying and stuff that would happen in the comments to the creators. So yeah. it's just an extension of that. It's just faster. And yeah, yeah there's well, a lot of people that have stopped creating just because they have gotten death threats and, you know, talking about kill the Indian and all these horrible things about all the racist stuff that we've all heard, but there yeah. it is forever living in your comments. Yeah. Right. And then possibly increasing. Yeah. Right. Um, and then people finding where you live and then stalking you and physically right. threatening you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like one of my favorite content creators, she's not native, but one of my favorite uh, influencers, I guess she was an early YouTube star and I, I like her workouts. And um, she talked about how for her, the, that trend was like, um, she says it felt like talk talk or like talk talk that TikTok is like early YouTube. A lot of, uh, you know, where a lot of it's kind of can be bizarre and surreal, but because she, uh, a lot of her audience comes from YouTube, she totally changed uh, her. She usually starts out every new year with like a workout plan to share, you know, and we do like, you know, like a challenge or something like that, some kind of a, a challenge for the month. And her, her output was very different for, for 2023. And I wondered why I, I saw that she had been pulling back from, she still posted, but I noticed she wasn't posting her fitness content. She started posting other content that her business, her entrepreneurship that she works on. And um, I wondered, I was kind of wondering why. And then finally she said something and I was like, oh, okay. I understand now. What had happened was she had gone on, like at the beginning of 2022, she had gone on, um, you know, a different kind of challenge and she documented her challenge. What happened during that specific challenge is a lot of uh, bro, hyper-masculine TikTokers and I think YouTubers just really came after her and started editing her videos in ways that were nasty and lewd. And it, you know, she's like, she, and she's talked about how, you know, she's been doing this for like 10 years or, you know, like for a long time being a YouTuber and a different social media influencer. And she says, you know, she's taken, she's, she's taken bullying and, you know, people telling her that she doesn't have the usual body, you know, for like a, for a fitness instructor. Um, but there was something different about that. And that this particular journey, she was being very vulnerable. She was reclaiming something of herself, you know, that, um, that had been harmful in the past, but this time she was doing it her way. When the bro dudes came for her, on her platform in that form, you know, when she's being vulnerable, she's reclaiming something that had hurt her a long time. She said, that's whenever she started stepping back from doing, from posting as much fitness content that she did. So I was like, okay, all right, that makes a lot of sense. There's only so much you can take, you know, when it comes to the bullying and it comes to like, especially if they're like editing, uh, you know, if you're like doing a glute challenge of some kind, and they're editing your videos to be like lewd and whatever, you know, you just, you don't want that out there. And that now that's for, out there forever, you know, for people to see. And so, yeah, it's a, it can be very disappointing whenever, uh, whenever you see that seedy dark side of social media and humanity in general, just come out and try to drag creative people down, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I mean, like designed in is the response, right? Like that's the other side of this is that it feels like there's the possibility of bonding back mm -hmm. with support 
with these messages of um, positivity and enlightenment and just this passing on of information. It feels like those are ways to counter um, those circumstances that happen. Um, I don't think we can end it, but we can certainly like say that we support. Mm. One thing that I've noticed about like related to this, it's just very interesting to me when um, an event occurs and someone is faced with some sort of um, circumstance, whether it's positive or negative, there are all these rounds of like messaging that happens, right? I see this a lot on like Instagram, for example, you know, like Sundance is happening and people are sending messages to people about like, good luck, wish I could be there or like, wishing you the best. The same thing happens when people go through bad times and that comes in multiple forms. It's like upfront posting on their page, posting on a post or then direct messaging. But it's interesting that like the messages, especially on like Instagram stories, because it's so quick, the turnaround is fast. It's like really reliant on like text and um, images taken from somewhere or reposting of something very quickly. And uh, almost like messages that are um, pre-made fonts and like filters. And all of that seems to me very analogous to like a, a... a gift card or like a card that you would get like a hallmark card like this is what i've come to like find as an analogy in the physical world you know that like you you send somebody or you used to i don't really do this anymore but i'm sure that many people still do it but like people of a certain generation definitely sent cards to people or you give somebody a physical card all that stuff is happening now in these like posts and these messages and um, I think that's a that's definitely a, a direction which we can like help other people is like through that form. But I think that's an interesting thing that um, has been replaced uh, that this sort of like greeting and salutation and support is now like the card. Well, so much so that it pre-populates like in LinkedIn or in Facebook, the congratulations and the so happy for you and the, you know, it just pre-populates and you can pick one, click it, and then it just sends it. So yeah, that's, yeah, I can totally see that. I see you're pulling up a, an Inupiaq. Yes, because she was one influencer. of the first, ones, her name, she was one of the first uh, indigenous influencers that I found on TikTok. And I found her very interesting because she's Alaskan. She's Inuit, but I mean, we all are, but she's specifically our, in, our Inupiaq. Community. Yeah, she, yeah. and I can, we were talking about, you know, the, the, the negative comments, the bullying and everything. She handled it very well because she would show herself like cutting up whale and people be like, oh my God, what are you doing? You know, not understanding that it's a cultural thing. And, you know, she would explain why it's cultural, you know, where she's from and and how they utilize um, the parts of the whale in their cultures and stuff like that, you know? So I guess, part of being a good TikToker is also being able to handle that type of negativity and, and turning it into positivity. She's got so many videos. I'm sure it's one of way down here. Cause this was like in 2020 when I found her. Yeah. She ended up, I want to say even on the news, you know, cause it was a tour of her house of things that just make sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, really- yeah. That was a while ago. A long time ago. So yeah, and you know the, the 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 upside of TikTok and 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 social media in general is that you can learn about even within our own in, indigenous people about other cultures about you know how their what their lives are like in different parts of the world. 
And I think that that's a great thing. Um, also, like I said, discovering people with new talents and being able to see how they create beautiful things that, you know, we could all create if, if we took the time to learn. So that's what I like about it. But yeah, the downside does kind of yeah. get you and and as a reconnecting native, I think it's been really helpful being so far away from my homelands to be able to see how people live up there. And I mean, I've had more interactions with other Inuit through Twitter, but I've learned a lot from other Inuit through TikTok. Unfortunately, I don't see a whole lot of Oklahoma natives on TikTok. I, I don't know what it is. Unless I know them personally, I really don't see them. That was what do you see? What are you seeing from? Seeing a lot of uh, Navajo people and Arizona, and then of course the Canadians. There's a lot of Canadian content creators that I follow. There's one in particular. He focuses on. He's a comedian, but he also does a lot of activism for uh, Two Spirit people. He has a nice little group of TikTok creators and in in in, uh, Instagram influencers that they make videos together as well they indigenize they indigenize pop culture by um he did a mean girl skit but everything in it was was indigenous you know like everybody all the characters uh, and then the dialogue was indigenized so you know he he's turning pop culture into it and on a way like Stephen paul judd he's taking pop culture and making it indian so and i think that's a, another nice little creative thing you can do with with it is you know find something you like and make and indigenize it, you know, make it an art piece of some sort. So Angela sent me a list of her favorite creators. Who are some people you guys feel like we need? <laughs> Did they have to be specific to? Um... No, any any platform. It's a good question. So uh, I'm really, I'm definitely a YouTuber. So that's in terms of like watching, because it's like available on my television where I'm usually engaging with stuff. Um, so I see a lot of YouTubers. I definitely see a lot, probably more Oklahoma YouTubers of what you're describing, you know, like Raven Morgan, for example, which does a lot of vlogging, right? She vlogs about powwows, basically, and it's pretty cool to have these virtual experiences of traveling to these powwows. I would say that the vlog is probably, because YouTube can be longer, it seems like that's definitely something that I, I engage with a lot more. So there's this Apache woman, what would Kitty do? And she's sort of like a... Not necessarily middle-aged, but she's definitely like an adult taking care of kids, a single mother. And it's interesting just sort of like experiencing her life. And, you know, she's traveling to all these different events because she's in Arizona. So it's a lot of Navajo experiences. But, you know, what she's doing with like Apache fry bread, you know, so there's like demonstration and procedure that I'm, I'm like learning about how it is that they in that community make fry bread. Um, she tells a lot of like stories that she takes in from different people and uh they're often you know tribal listeners of some sort of native background so it's interesting to hear this sort of like story time and that's like really cool that this like youtube just becomes this format of like sitting in the room and listening to these stories in a very kind of like super traditional way (laughs) um you know it's just her and there's no editing you know it's like pretty rudimentary so it's like turn on the camera speak and then when she's done, she turns off the camera. So there's like a, a sense of like realism. I appreciate the age range. You know, I feel like TikTok and Instagram 
Well, TikTok to me, it seems like there's a lot of like younger people. So it's like difficult to see like older age ranges just because it's not accessible, I think, to like older age ranges. And that's something that I'm definitely seeing on YouTube. Like there's this almost every day, there's this channel called Res Life. And it's, you know, just two Navajo parents. And we just, we literally see every event in their day and it's just cut down. And it's every day. It's really a diary. And it's, it's really incredible just to see for anybody that's outside of the culture. I bet this is like such a revelation, you know, and they're so like giving about letting us into their home. We see what their home's like. We see what they eat. We see how they interact with their kids. We see the kind of work that he does. And, you know, like they're deep in the reservation. So it's like they got to travel probably an hour to get to Gallup. And they do it every day and seeing them do it like when it's like when there's snow or rain and you experience it that with them like that is such a gift to be able to understand like you know i have relatives that are navajo and they live on they've lived at the reservation most of them live in gallup or elsewhere now but i've only experienced that a couple times in my life and uh being able to experience it with them every time it happens like i really am grasping uh, their worldview and a thinking in that tribal area that's such an amazing thing and it's only because of their persistence and i guess that's like a gift when you have somebody who's able to constantly give you stuff which is remarkable thinking about access to how do they upload it right yeah i mean like there's definitely like that's the hidden part of all of this like social media is that like access is definitely part of this access to yeah. the internet access to technology, access to skills, any kind of form of content, whether it's like you just turn the camera on or not, like you definitely have to know how to like import. You got to have some control over data and naming files and all that stuff. Yeah. The funny thing about that is that you can do it all on your phone now. That is true. <laughs> but you, I mean, but even then, I mean, we're kind of assuming that your phone is near Wi-Fi and that you have Wi-Fi, right? Or that you have internet access somehow yeah and and if you don't then you're reliant on data and you're relying on a satellite and a consistent connection yeah the fact that like these people are out like the middle of the reservation in navajo country i'm always wondering like yeah. wh where do they upload do they upload from their house like what's what services and how and that's the hidden side to all this i think makes but i love them makes me think back to um was it Tully and Steve Judd that used to, did y'all used to go and teach filmmaking to students with just their phones or something like that? We would talk about this idea of how you can make a story or a movie with the limited access that you have at home. And that's another thing that we did with Real Native. That was the part of that PBS show. And when I see TikTok and YouTube and all these kind of things, is that this, we always talk about representation within our indigenous media as we're not going to have to be looking at film and television when a lot of us are telling our stories in our way in our own kind of storytelling dynamic through TikTok. And sometimes it's even informed through popular media. And I think that that's what's kind of badass about these things that you're showing. It's like, you know, we're showing how to make beadwork, you know, showing dance, sometimes traditional dance and sometimes modern dance. We're showing all these different things, telling this Indian humor that we always talk about. And so I think that's a kind of a fucking badass thing about this shit. 
And like Sunrise says about these cats who just do a daily diary of their life. And that's a story there. And so it's kind of like inspiring for me to hear about these kind of cats and these, these kind of things. And when we first started talking about these social media influencers, project, project yeah, influencers. yeah, I was like, oh, you know, I really don't really think about like who I'm watching. I just watch them. And so as you were talking about these, I was going through them over the week. and I was like, holy shit, there's a lot of cats out there who are doing some really cool shit and some really good stuff. And I think that's like a part of the whole thing of like how great this shit is and how we're like doing a lot and it's a form of preserving history at this moment so you know if this stuff survives through the future you know we're looking back and these are our future traditional stories our future you know traditional thinkers and philosophers and i think this is kind of some badass shit because now it's not you know through the you know non-indian lens but it's all now through our own perceptions our own, own ideas that's all i gotta say about that was there a favorite that you, you had Tully? Probably all the cats that you already showed. Right. Yeah, but you didn't talk about the um, the skateboard guy. Yeah, Nathan. A, a big fan oh, of yeah, the yeah. skateboard guy. Because he, he kind of blew up during the pandemic. Yep. He was everywhere. He was drinking cranberry juice, right? Ocean spray. Yeah, ocean spray. Yeah, he, he's gotten pretty big uh, just from that one TikTok. You know, he's, he's on reservation dogs. I saw on Instagram where I think he got in Canada, they named a day after him here recently. So he got Dang. like an official Nathan Apodaca day, Nathan Apodaca day. So is, is it was from, like a couple of weeks ago, I think. He's not from Canada. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> California. California. Big he, really? got. he blew up so big. They, they honor him in Canada. I guess. He sure got a speaking role on Reservation Dogs. Yeah, that I heard a backstory to that where um, Sterling had gone to casting director um, Angelique Midthunder and was like, hey, do you think we could get the Ocean Spray guy on <laughs> the show? And she was like, yeah, we can make that happen. And so they found him and, and they put him on there. So uncle, what is his uncle Charlie? He's, is that his he's Cheese's uncle, right? His uncle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. he started quite the TikTok trend of skateboarding while listening to stevie nicks and drinking cranberry juice <laughs> yeah and they're like that's that was an example of like people trying to replicate right like i feel like that week when it went out in the world i was like seeing all these people do their different versions of that with different drinks different backgrounds but stevie nicks actually did a video about that really one of her first TikToks. Yeah. Yeah. It it just totally blew up. September uh, 2020, it says. That seems like seems more than forever. two years ago. I don't know. While you're talking about that, can we start talking about Natives React? Yeah. Please. Let's talk about them. Whenever I'm feeling blue, I turned on Natives React and it immediately cheered me up because they are so stinking funny. I like it when the they have the ladies on the jingle dress girls from the jingle dress product project because those girls mm -hmm. are funny because so I just finished watching their their whole making fun of or the res cats episode res cats yes it's such a thing somebody had little <laughs> ribbon shirts for their cats it was so cute oh I want to buy one of those I know yeah. it was so cute yeah I feel like that was a response to like the first kind of like videos that they did about res dogs 
Yeah, it was. There you go. 89.2 million views for 89.2 million. That's awesome. And if you saw it, he did a video with Cheech and Chong. I think Ocean Spray gave him a truck load of, of Ocean Spray. Nice. Oh wow. What? Whoa. Yeah. Oh, I just went to I just went to Patrick is in Navajo and you know there was just a there's a collab between uh, Natives React and then um, one of my favorite YouTubers. Um, what would Kitty do? And then there's also she's uh, on this other channel with Sierra Johnson. Oh and, yeah, and I just like, watched that one too. So it's, yeah, oh, and it's, it's like tea time. Yeah, Jacob, Patrick, and Jacob. Ooh, yes. I will say definitely like uh, Natives React is like event time. It's it's like as soon as that's up, it's like Maya and I have to be able to sit down and be able to watch it together. It's like when the new Game of Thrones comes, I feel like <laughs> it's like we got to get ready and settled in and it's a big event. Yeah, I love what Kitty would do. She does great like scary stories. Ooh, we love a good scary story. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. we like scary and then she does a lot of vlogging and then she does kind of makeup tutorials. You know, like there's that thing that happens in most of these um, social medias where people are doing a makeup demonstration and they're talking either about the product or they're talking about politics or something. One of the um, Navajo creators that I watch on TikTok, just Rezzy, that one, uh, Nicole Sam is her name. She goes live almost every other day at night. Uh, she lives on the res and um, she hears things go bump in the night if you will and she gets pretty scared <laughs> she's she's afraid that something's looking in her window so she'll put like a blanket up on her window so nothing's looking in at her and um she's she talks about having encounters with uh skinwalkers and and it's, it gets pretty creepy to the point where i'm like hey nicole i'm gonna go bye like all yeah, no. i interact <laughs> it's dark here too i'm I'm going i'm gonna leave now it's like talking to mark williams it's like no no you're okay yeah change topics topics. and and that's another thing about uh social media is that a lot of mark williams uh marketing for his his uh documentaries and his short films and stuff is through social media um you know it's word of mouth sometimes he lets everybody know when he's going to be in the area doing uh, like film festivals and stuff so you know that's another way of promoting uh, not just music but film too so as far as social media goes it is a big part of pop culture now and native people are utilizing it not only to educate but to have fun despite having some negativity with it i think it to me it is a positive thing so are there any other creators you guys want to talk about i have uh, two that were on my mind recently aji dungi her handle is Ajidi, and uh, she's Pamunkey Indian tribe. And she talks uh, a lot about uh, the Afro-Indigenous experience, Black Native experience. She's Pamunkey tribe. And uh, she does beadwork sometimes. And um, she's she's uh, kind of in the activist social media platform. Uh, but she's really cool and interesting. And um, I like the way that she just, she just comes in and just she kind of, she sets the record straight about, you know, about uh, some of our communities and, you know, and confronting anti-Blackness and, uh, and some of uh, the communities. Uh, she does it in a very educational way. She takes opportunities to educate people. Another one who's, uh, who's funny and he'll get into the educational, he'll get on it. Oftentimes, you know, of course, if you're a native content creator with a large platform, 
we will inevitably find ourselves, even if we just want to make like goofy uh, videos, we will inevitably find ourselves into in an education position, in an educational position where we will have to translate. <laughs> we will have to translate something and act as a translator for whatever it is that we're putting out there usually. And uh, one of those, he mainly makes um, funny stuff is a uh, Che Jim and he's on TikTok. Well, this is another creator. His name is Eagle Blackbird, and he does videos about what it's like to be native, pretty much. There's one, it's like, you know, how natives feel mm -hmm. about the snow in winter, and it's mm -hmm. all sacred, saying a prayer and everything. And then this is the reality. <laughs> Open the door, and he's like, oh, no, and like shuts the mm -hmm. door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh... I will uh, put a link tree together and put it on our um, Facebook and our Twitter and somehow on our Instagram, which by the way, you should really be following us. If you're listening to us, we are real indigenous podcast on Facebook at real indigenous podcast on TikTok. I'm not, sorry, not TikTok, Twitter, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> and at real indigenous pod on Instagram, we're still working on creating content. <laughs> <laughs> right now it's just sound bites. Cause that's really all we have. <laughs> oh, the irony. So if you guys closing, closing statements about social media and indigenous creators that you guys want to say, I love and hate it. I love it because it's helped me reconnect so much and learn so much. I hate it because people are being bullied for being who we are, being threatened for being proud of who we are. And, and I hope through all the negativity, we become stronger in our identity and more confident in what we say about ourselves. Like I said, I really love watching them. I really love uh, a lot of the funny ones. And then I do like the educational ones and seeing people who are doing activism through the social media platform. And I think that if you can go out and do do these social medias because that's ways in which we can connect and and interact with people even for me like i see people in social media and it's almost like i know these people and then when i meet them in real life it's almost like hey what's up man it's like oh wait i've never seen this guy in real life at all <laughs> so that's really cool and, I, and it's really really good to to create this community especially like during pandemic when we couldn't have a community it still helps us stay connected so it's it's a good thing and like i said forget the haters just be there for all the love well i'm gonna say that i like it because of the connections that i have made to people across the united states that i probably would never meet in person but you know we share we share a culture we share a love for our culture and we share a, a love for learning about each other's cultures so um i really like that connectivity to other indigenous people plus some of it is really funny and entertaining and sometimes that's really all you need to get out of it is just to laugh a little bit because you know how much we like to laugh <laughs> so I would rather laugh than have to get angry with the bullying that goes on so if I see bullying I usually like scroll away I don't know it's just a really good way just to learn about other people and kind of the the things they go through in their lives in their daily lives and how how you can relate to it yeah I'd say like for better or worse social media is here I'm really excited for uh, a lot of Native and Indigenous content creators that are out there that are getting good, positive feedback. I know you all got your haters too, but I do hope like for as long as you're able to, as long as you feel like you can, I feel like they'll go on and um, continue to create content because it, it is what makes my day too. And a lot of times it's what gives me encouragement or gives me inspiration to to go on and, you know, do if I'm working on something like an affiliate putting, you know, sometimes I'll just put on an inspirational 
one or I'll put on a funny one and it helps me, it helps me keep going, you know, on whatever, usually whatever it is I'm working on. Or sometimes it's, it's nice. It's nice to feel that hopefully, you know, even though like some of the content creators, you know, we're from completely different tribes and different cultures, you know, and sometimes we know when they're, when they talk about some of the negative things that they're experiencing, uh, sometimes, you know, I'll try to drop a word of encouragement because they do the same for me. And it does feel like we create community online. You know, it it really does feel like we can, it, it feels like we come, that we're here for each other. I hope that that weighs out or balances out um, some of that toxicity that we find on social media. And uh, also just try to, I guess, um, mindful consumption is something that I'm trying to practice too, is mindful consumption of social media. I'm excited to see more. I'm excited to see what can come from it. Because of course, I've been exposed to people and stories and cultures that, you know, I never would have experienced had it not been for social media. I'll just reiterate. <laughs> I agree with everybody. I agree with everybody about the good and the bads. It's the support that we learn so much about each other and we feel connected more than we have before. So I definitely feel that listeners should support. And I think that comes in many ways, definitely like uh, following people or subscribing, but sharing. Um, I think that's an important part of all of this that we take for granted. But when it's just like fun, we want to share with people. But like the more we share with other people, the more that we are strengthening our presence. And so many of these creators are really confronting the concepts of whether we're alive and whether we are resilient. So the more you share, I think the the, the better it is for everybody. And then I'm sure many of these um, uh, social media influencers have some sort of financial needs, you know? So at the end of the year, I think I mentioned this also, but if you can, if you can, I think giving them any kind of financial support is helpful also because people can make careers and when people have careers they can do amazing things and all of these mediums are the emergence these are all like very young forms of art and we're on the bottom ground and the more we can support them in all the ways that we can the more the art will grow and our cultures and backgrounds will grow with it and um, that's a that's definitely a sign of like resilience cultural growth and blossoming. Um, I think those are ways to counter the uh, negativity that can come or just our historic erasure. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this uh, discussion about indigenous creators and the social media and how it affects our pop culture. What's the ending again? <laughs> Never remember. You're going to have to like figure out a script for me. Keep it real. Oh, and don't, don't just, forget. And don't, don't just keep it real. Right. And remember, don't just keep it real. Keep it real. Real and indigenous. That was a little One day. <laughs> it, it gets better each time. But it could mean nothing to do. Feel